The North Carolina Healthcare Association is a proud sponsor of the Do Politics Better podcast. The association is a united voice for hospitals, health systems, and care providers to ensure they can offer high quality, lower cost care to all North Carolinians. Visit nchealthcare.org to learn more about how hospitals and health systems are working to make healthcare easier, more convenient, and with better outcomes. It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. It is finally, officially, Budget Week! (laughs) We are recording this podcast on Thursday afternoon. The Senate is debating the budget right now. A couple hours ago, the House had their first vote on the budget. The House returns later tonight, 9.30, and... To take the final vote a little after midnight. It's going to be something. And then the Senate's going to... Of course, this is very Senate... They're coming back at 9.30 in the morning on Friday, but... Business hours only. Business. (laughs) As a note, the House vote was bipartisan. There were five Democrats that joined the Republicans in voting for the budget. So Representative Carla Cunningham, Michael Ray, Shelley Willingham, Garland Pierce, and Cecil Brockman. A lot of drama to get us here, Sky. It wasn't an easy path. Of course, we are in late September, and we're going to unpack this past week with a special guest. Representative Alan Chesser joins us as someone who was in a district where there was a targeted push for casinos. The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Representative Alan Chesser, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. We're having you on a pivotal week of the NCGA session. There is going to be a budget, but not without plenty of controversy. First, before we get into the dramatics of what happened, there's a lot going on in your district. Tell us about the last couple of months for you. Yeah. uh, Well, again, thank you guys for having me back. Uh, I'm not sure how many people told you no before you got to me on the list and decided, you know, we'll take him. Um, You were our first call. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it as a compliment. And listeners will know why once we get into this podcast. Yeah. um, So, yeah, my district around the budget issues is a has been making headlines because we've had some anti-casino rhetoric going on out there. We, we were one of the target counties that could have landed a casino uh, in the casino language. Just before all that broke, we had a tornado that ripped through the county. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of all the budget stuff, um, was it last Friday, maybe Friday before? I don't know, it all bleeds together at this point for obvious reasons. Um, the state DHHS took over our county DHHS because... We had two child fatalities, one near fatality, and several injuries while in custody. And so I love my county. I love my district. But uh, we've, we've got some things to fix. I think a lot of folks are tuning into the podcast this week because they really want to know 
what happened with casinos in the budget. We were all surprised Tuesday night when Senator Phil Berger and Speaker Tim Moore held a press conference and announced that a budget would be moving forward. It's not going to have casinos in it. This has been a long, drawn-out fight. By the way, for listeners, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday afternoon, so the House and Senate have yet to vote on a budget, but we think that it is on track to get a vote and pass. Take us, Representative, on a a tour of what happened this week in the General Assembly as it pertains to casinos. Yeah, so um, obviously there was some separation between the House's position and, well, a, a segment of the House's position and uh the senate it was a shock to everyone uh you guys have a different uh, a view of how things happen i enjoyed hearing that um <laughs> and uh so it was a shock to us when we got called into the conference room and we were told hey look this is the deal that's been struck this is where we are and this is how we're going to move forward which was ultimately no casinos no gaming in the budget um moving medicaid back from the uh frankenstein bill that had been created back into the budget that was the plan to move forward so a little context for listeners. Sky and I are outside the House chamber on Tuesday afternoon. We did see Senator Phil Berger with his chief of staff, Brian Fork, come over to the House and meet in a conference room behind closed doors with Speaker Tim Moore and his chief of staff, Neil Inman. That meeting lasts about 20 minutes. They leave and then all the legislators that represent districts that would benefit from these casinos, you were taken into the conference room, and that's when you were told, I assume, that the deal was off. There will be no casinos. Yeah, um, I think the speaker just wanted to make sure if there was going to be any emotional reactions, it was in a controlled environment and not not in public. Um, so just, uh, just making sure, hey, look, we're all on the same team still. Uh, we're going to push forward. And so I think that was the message. And I appreciated him pulling this off to the side and giving us a little insight ahead of time because uh, by the time we ended up having our caucus to discuss it in caucus again, it had already leaked out to the media. And so I I was appreciative to find out from the speaker and not from the media. What was your reaction? Uh, I'm pretty stoic. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. You see, you felt it coming, I guess, where you feel it, it felt like things were getting worse on the conversations. Yeah. So, um, over the past several weeks, there have been several plans, air quotes there. We've, we've gone from plan A to plan B to C to, I mean, just so many different iterations of trying to get to a deal, but it just never, we never felt any closer to passing the mm-hmm. budget. Um, and there was a lot of frustration growing. And then, you know, just a majority of the caucus was saying, let's just get a budget through. That is ultimately what we're going to be held accountable for is whether or not we can govern and get a budget through. Um, and we can work on everything else later. Can you give us your talking points on why these North Carolina tourism districts were important to Nash County if they were to make it into the budget? Nash County, when you look at our population, uh, we're one of the only counties that hasn't really grown since the last census. We're hemorrhaging population out of the, the major city that we have, and the county's not growing fast enough to supplement for that. I think we're number two in the state for population loss Mm -hmm. as far as the city of Rocky Mount, which is the largest municipality within the county. Our unemployment rate is roughly 50% higher than the state average, while everyone else is celebrating that the state has set a new record low for unemployment. We're still almost 50% higher than than the state average in, in Nash County. And our average household income is... 
30% lower than the state average. So it's a compounding of negative effects uh, within the district. So when you have an entity that doesn't want tax incentives to come in to do a minimum $500 million investment and a promise of 1,750 jobs, it puts us in a hard position to say, no, we don't need that. So I-95 goes through Nash County. That also is going to attract a lot of tourism dollars. Yeah. So the actual location, so it's important to understand we're talking about two separate things, right? The state legislation would have just authorized non-tribal gaming facilities. And then there was a, a separate economic development plan, which is completely on the private sector, not anything to do with state government at all. The location that they were looking at is right on I-95 and 64, which is the new I-87. And that's why they chose that location. It's the corner of Main Street and Main Street. Can you take us back to when was the first time that you kind of heard, hey, there's a possibility of maybe having a deal where a casino would come to your district? And what were your initial thoughts? Not the greatest with dates, but I think it may have been the end of February, beginning of March, when I got a briefing on an economic development in the area. It was from a local briefing about the possibility of wanting to bring a development that was centered around a casino um, to Nash County. And I mean, my initial thought was, that's illegal. <laughs> so uh, that was it. It was like, okay, well, you know, I guess the next ask is you want a legislative change because you can't do that. And so then... There were conversations about, yeah, it, it should already be in the works on the Senate side. Apparently, my predecessor had been briefed on it, and so they were just bringing me up to date that there were already conversations in place and that the bill would be moving through the Senate. You know, we set forth to, to try to track down legislation and language so that we could look at it and review it until it kind of all exploded there at the end. When The first time I saw it was when it was leaked by WRL. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Is it fair to say that the arguments against casinos are twofold one is a moral argument and then the other would be from the tribes who don't want competition is that fair to say yeah absolutely i think those were the two veins that we were seeing resistance on um there's the evangelical right is essentially where it broke down and i mean you can even take the right out of there and just say the evangelical arm of of society they see it as vice they don't want the expansion of vice within the district or within the state and the other side of it probably the uh, more vehement piece of it, the ones that were throwing money behind it, were the casinos um, not wanting competition for obvious reasons. You know, they're they're pretty lucrative, and this would cut into their their share of the market. It was interesting to see some of those ads. I was in the Wilmington market, and I saw an ad from the casinos talking about how bad casinos are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and they're they're convincing. And and then you look, you do a little bit of legwork and find out. Wait a minute. The Catawba paid for this. <laughs> They're running a casino. Yeah. It was interesting. By the way, for full transparency, we should say that we represent a client, the North Carolina Travel Industry Association, which did take a formal position this past week in support of this legislation. So just want to let everyone know that. So the bill is presented to the House Caucus by the leadership, and all reports are that there was a lot of division among the Republican caucus. Did that surprise you? Uh, Not on this particular issue. So again, I think the breakdown within caucus was more along the same lines of what we saw um, without giving too much away about what happened in caucus. Um, Same divisions that you see among general society, essentially. The, The irony was 
I mean, the caucus vote is leaked out there now. Somehow everybody knows who voted what way and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody texted me about it with a list of people's names and how they voted. And I'm like, how did you get your hands on that? But the interesting thing is a poll in my own district showed about 58% of people supported it. Mm. Okay. And that falls in line with the way caucus voted as well. Um, it just wasn't enough for the speaker to feel comfortable putting on, putting it on the floor as a standalone or as part of the budget and having it pass. Senator Berger was telling the media that he wanted to see a floor vote in the house Mm -hmm. in the budget and just let people vote. And I think his idea is that folks are going to look at this budget as a whole and see all the good that's in it. Teacher raises, state employees, infrastructure, bus drivers get a a little bump in this Mm -hmm. raise as well. They're going to look at this and they're going to vote yes. Was that a risk not worth taking? We're asking you to Monday morning quarterback here a little bit. So I've heard arguments on both sides because I have been in the room when you know, discussions have been had and, and some of the strategy has been laid out. I can see the pros and cons of both sides. I can see where Senator Berger is saying, hey, you put it on the floor, let people see what's in there, and you know, they, then the risk is theirs. Nash County is going to make out pretty good in this budget. It would be hard for me, even with casinos in there and, and all the, the pressure that I get from the naysayers in the district to vote against this budget with casinos in there. And I'm sure I wouldn't be the only one that felt that way. But I also see, you know, the speaker's side is, well, you're going to put a bill out there and you're going to make people vote on it again. And that's going to create problems for, for a bill that he doesn't believe was going to pass. Mm. Okay. So it's a lot of risk to the members and not a lot of reward. And so he took the position of protecting the members. Let's talk about the budget a little bit. Specifically, you just said there are a lot of good things for Nash County in the budget. Can you highlight a couple projects that are in the budget that are important to your constituents? Uh, yeah. So I got, um, well, I say I got, we, we'll just say we, right? We's better. So. Sean is here. <laughs> to the office. Sean Harrington is a representative of Chester's legislative assistant. You can yeah. clap if you wanted. <laughs> Live studio audience. That's right. Um, so, so we were able to get a lot of really good things for the county in here uh, and for the district. One thing which you know, I'm happy with, but I'm also a little disappointed with, and I'll explain why. Uh, we were able to get $5 million in here for the, the county jail. The sheriff requested $5 million to convert one of his larger holding cells that holds up to 40 people huh. in one cell wow. to convert it into smaller one- to two-man cells. Um, and one of his concerns was, you know, it was a safety issue as a former police officer. I recognize that you want the numbers always on your side as a, as an officer, especially in that confined environment where you're generally not armed. Um, and so it's, it's a major safety issue that was there. Uh, he had gone to the County and they had denied the request. Um, so when he brought it to me, he, he had an immediate ally in that because I understand the safety risk. I understand the concerns. Well, unfortunately, uh, one of the corrections officers was assaulted, what, maybe a month ago? Broken jaw, mm. minor brain bleed in that very cell that we're talking about. Um, but we were able to get the money in, in here and get it appropriated so that he can do that renovation that he wants to do. So that that's an important project. Again, I wish we had been able to get him the funding sooner. Monday night quarterback, right? Yeah. That's what you asked me to do. But yeah. So there's that one. And then we've got, man, we got a lot. 
So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Representative Chester's holding a, a list, a spreadsheet, a two page uh, spreadsheet of yeah. things he got in the budget. Humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're bragging on you. Yeah. Uh, one of the local media outlets, one of the local newspapers, had an article in the paper this morning uh, about the budget and what Nash County got in the budget. And it says a windfall of $55 million. So one of the other members came up and sh- showed it to me. And he's like, what the heck? Mm. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I got like half of that. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get better projects. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about this process of getting projects for your district? Most insiders understand the big buckets of funding for justice and public safety and transportation and all of that. But you as members are also getting in there. You're hearing from your mayors and your county governments, and they're asking you to, hey, can you bring us a state appropriation? Mm-hmm. What's that process like for you? So so for us, we took a proactive approach, and we reached out to our municipalities, our police departments, our fire departments, um, the sheriff's office, and even the county, and said, hey, we're rolling into the budget. We want to plan ahead. Send us your request. And then through there, we had a Google form that people could fill out to send us requests. And then from there, it kind of, it trickled out and some nonprofits made submissions and stuff like that. And so it just kind of went from there. And then when we found out that we would only, we would be limited to 10 requests per member, that's when things got interesting. Okay. That was when um, we had to start to just do the horse trading, if you will, or get creative with how we made the request. So we were looking to see which request we could combine as one ask, but then split out the payments and just say, hey, look, you're getting this, but this much is earmarked for a different organization. Oh. So you get creative and you start doing the horse trading and look at other members and say, hey, I've got something that's similar to you and you've got something that's similar to me. Let's pair those together and make it work. And for listeners out there that are maybe cynically thinking, oh, well, of course, he's a Republican. He's getting what he wants in the budget because Republicans are writing the budget. I want to remind you that a few weeks back we had Representative Cecil Brockman on. He announces, usually at the beginning of session, he's willing to work with budget writers. Democrats also get some projects as well. It just depends. It's all about you wanting to work with the leadership to build a budget. Yes. I mean, some of the projects that we have in here, we partnered with uh, Shelley Willingham, a Democrat, right. to make sure that they got funded. We, we have some overlap, particularly in the city of Rocky Mount, because it splits two counties. He has Edgecombe County and I have the Nash County side. Um, so when it came to Rocky Mount request, we worked together to make sure those, those made it through. Let's talk about some of the other top line things. You know, the things that everybody hears about, teacher pay, state employee pay, taxes, what are kind of the top line numbers that we're talking about? For teacher pay raises, including the steps, it'll be 4% in fiscal year 23-24 and 7% in fiscal year 24-25. So, uh, w- you know, with steps, that's 11% over the next two years. That's not too shabby. We're also seeing a huge bus driver shortage throughout the state. You guys bumped up bus driver pay to help school districts uh, they got the state employee raise, but you added another two percent. Yeah, to I help think with that. I think they'll end up landing right around nine percent. Yeah. So. And then, what is the pay raise for state employees? I think it's going to be seven percent over the next two years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 
Sean's pretty happy about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go, Sean. Um, Congratulations. And the big part on that, too, is the retirees got a 4% bonus. In the House version of the budget, we had a 2% COLA. I think it was 1% per each year, but that did not survive the negotiations. But a 4% one-time bonus is not too shabby. Yeah. And for the 50th year in a row, uh, legislators decided not to give themselves a raise. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is accurate. Um <laughs> So we we will remain steadfast at our $13,900 a year. Yeah, so you're buying lunch, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) One of the other issues that was part of that negotiation between Senator Berger and Speaker Moore was the tax package. There was a lot of discussion about what the House wanted, which was a slower slide, and the Senate wanted a faster tax package, if you will. Talk about what the tax package looks like. We landed at a a nice median position. The Senate wanted to accelerate to pretty much 2.5%. It's 2.49. And so what we were able to land on is we were already on target to get to 3.99. So everybody's still in agreement to that. I think we're bumping it up by one year in the projected plan. And we settled on some revenue triggers that would have to occur in order to go any lower than 399. Got it. That was a concern from the House. Right. Um, so we want to make sure that, you know, we're not bankrupting the state and, and risking having to raise taxes in the future in order to, to lower taxes. And so these triggers would take effect, like I said, essentially once we got to 399, these triggers would start taking effect and you couldn't lower it anymore unless these revenue triggers were met. And then each time, it's a half percent decrease in in the income tax. That conversation is going to be a little bit different. And I think people should understand that because the revenue projections are going to have to be different now. Because when that was negotiated, VLTs and casinos were still in consideration as revenue generators. Um, So with those gone, whether or not we can actually hit those revenue triggers remains to be seen. That, That leaves the conversation open, I think. About casinos. Is it dead is the big question a lot of us are asking. Many of us think we're going to see this issue again pop up maybe in the short session. By the way, Senator Berger did not close the door to that when the media asked him last night. He's like, yeah, you know, might come up in the future. What do you think? I don't think it's going to go away as long as we're having conversations about how we're going to lower the tax burden. We have to look at extra ways of either cutting spending, which it doesn't seem like anyone has the appetite to do, or generating additional revenues. That's just, you know, the only legitimate way to lower taxes without creating a deficit. Also seeing Danville go from a temporary setting for their casino, it's going to be a palace, I understand, in two years, and North Carolinians are going to continue to drive over the state line. That's also got to put pressure on legislators as well. Uh, yeah, so that did not seem like a uh, a winning argument that we were having. Um, really, that was part of it that we, you know, part of the discussion was saying, "Hey, we're hemorrhaging money uh, across the border." Like I said, when when people were either morally opposed or aco- opposed because of other private interests, they didn't care that we were hemorrhaging money across the state line. That just wasn't. It, I don't think that moved anybody. anybody really. I'm surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. Reese Pirtle, that was kind of his argument uh, over and over again, which was just 
you know, I'm watching people drive across the line. Yeah. Representative Pirtle represents Rockingham mm-hmm. County. So, yeah. And by the way, Danville, that casino is about 15 minutes from Rockingham County, mm-hmm. over, just over the line. By the time this podcast drops, we will have final votes on the budget and it will be sent to the governor's desk. We should mention that Governor Cooper is a former constituent of yours. He used to be a resident of Nash County. He, he now lives in Wake County. Obviously. People are saying that after you came on the podcast, then you guys kind of came together because we saw you in <laughs> That's right. You guys right. Uh, did a, an event together after the tornado. Yeah, well, event's a strong word. Um, <laughs> we, we did a tour. Yeah, um, sort of a... Uh, of the damage. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I tell people, you know, Roy's my biggest fan. Yeah. So we'll just, uh, we keep it cordial and friendly. And, uh, you know, I welcome him back to Nash County whenever he wants to come back. Did you reintroduce yourself yet again to him when you saw him? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So you need to go back and listen to the original podcast we did with Representative Chester. Apparently, uh, Governor Cooper can't remember him, so he takes every opportunity to reintroduce himself. He remembers me now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What do you think he's going to do on this budget? Um. I don't know. He's 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 pretty vehement that uh, that he's going to veto it, mm-hmm. um, but I'm pretty confident we've got the votes to to override that if necessary. Uh, I just don't see the political strategy in in him vetoing you know record setting pay raises and and spending in education and Medicaid expansion. But hey, he's he's welcome to do it if he wants to, and uh, that'll just give us an opportunity to override more vetoes. We've got a few parked in the garage, and we can break them all out at the same time. I have a theory that he would not veto it if you guys didn't have the votes to override him. I, I don't disagree with that theory um, <laughs> it, because it wouldn't be the first time that uh, he's participated in a ribbon cutting that he voted against or vetoed. His signature project is Medicaid mm-hmm. expansion, right? He ran on it. He's always made that a campaign issue. He wants that. Yeah. What is a nugget in the budget? Maybe not a Nash County project, just something that you think is a really good piece of the budget that you'd like to talk about. Mine would probably be ultimately the reason that I like to be on the healthcare committee. Uh, there's $620 million, I believe, in here for the expansion of mental health services. Mm-hmm. And I think that's way overdue and very important for us right now. Yeah, see no coverage on that, actually. Mm-hmm. Representative Chesser, I need to ask you an important question as someone who spends a lot of time on Twitter. Say for the record, is was the tornado real or not? Because I saw on Twitter <laughs> some wait, cons- wait, wait, Did wait, you wait, see wait, wait, like wait. the conspiracy theories on yeah, the it? tornado? Oh, because of the Pfizer plant. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did see that. That people think that this was like some targeted at one hundred percent legitimate, real. Even took Sean up in a helicopter. I've got oh, wow. pictures to prove it. He was terrified the entire time. I loved it. <laughs> um, and so we got to fly over and see the path that the tornado took. And oddly enough, it didn't just start and stop at the Pfizer plant. It, there was a lot of other people affected by this. Um, so you know, recovery's going well. Um, fortunate. We'll say, fortunately, um, all the areas, all the municipalities and the counties that were affected, I believe, now qualify for federal aid. So no one goes unserved and, and, and no one died. That's, yeah, uh, that is so. That was one of the big things because, um, interestingly enough, 
the Pfizer plant that everyone's talking about that you know was nearly destroyed and it was really just the warehouse on the back that was severely damaged the the production portion of it was relatively untouched hmm. but along that path of the tornado was a daycare mm-hmm. that was in like there were students there teachers there and it literally just went behind them i mean knocked over some of the playground equipment but never touched the building wow but if you look at the path of the damage it's squarely in the path of the damage and was never touched yeah I saw some media reports where people barely made it out. People mm-hmm. like hiding under bathtubs that would have been turned over and just mm-hmm. being mobile homes, especially they yeah. get hit the hardest. Yeah. There was one, one couple that barely made it into the bathtub of their mobile home yeah. and was tumbled probably 50 yards mm-hmm. in their bathtub. Um, actually at the Pfizer plant, there was a story of a forklift operator um, that got the alert on his cell phone. He was in the parking lot. And so he ran and jumped in a dumpster And then the dumpster ended up across the parking lot. When he got out, the forklift was gone. And so we actually saw that in the helicopter on the other side of the railroad tracks. Mm. A storm that could pick up a a forklift and move it 120 yards. Mm. Those are some powerful winds. Yeah. Well, before we sign off with you, I want to ask you this final question. I know we talked to you a few weeks back. It must feel like a lifetime between then and now. How's it going for you? Are you doing okay? I, th- I think so. Um, <laughs> ask, ask me again on Friday. Uh, if we can get this budget through and, and get it done, I think that really narrows the scope of what we've got left to do. Um, I've had a blast. I've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like we've been here for about six years. Yeah. Well, this will be your first midnight vote. Yes. Um, we had one late vote. I don't remember what that was on, though. Oh, yeah. On abortion. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was like 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, yeah. something like that. It wasn't quite midnight. Nothing so, like a midnight. Nothing it, like a midnight. But, and, and here's <laughs> the thing is like people are volunteering to do the midnight vote. Like oh, yeah. it doesn't matter to oh. me. I'm you know 30 minutes down the road and I'll be here whenever. But like the preference of the crowd on both sides of the aisle are let's let's do 1201 and go home. Yep. Uh, Except tomorrow is my, my little girl's birthday. So, oh. Yeah. Well. Make her an honorary no, page. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> the midnight vote's fun, though. You'll yeah. see. Yeah, we like it. We like it. Well, Representative Alan Chesser, we appreciate you coming on to the podcast this week, talking about some of the intricacies of the budget, casinos, and how this session is winding down. You certainly know how to do politics better. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me again. The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com for more information. So if budgets and casinos and all the drama that came with isn't enough for you, we did have some other news in the General Assembly this week, as well as in North Carolina politics. So for the last couple of weeks, we had expected the House to vote on Senate Bill 749. That is the procedural makeup of local board of elections, the state board of elections. That bill had been moved from rules. And then this week it was heard in rules and then it was on the House floor. It passed the House 
went back over to the Senate for concurrence, and they did not concur. So that bill has yet to be passed. Senate Bill 747, the first elections bill, was vetoed by Governor Cooper, and that is awaiting a veto override. So those bills kind of go together, 747, 749, but 749 is still to be determined. A bill we had been tracking for months and sort of like, you know, got lost in the back of your mind for a while has come up and it is also going to get probably a lengthy debate tonight in the House. The conference report for the reg reform bill of 2023 has been leaked. I should say it's not formally posted, Mm. but as of 4 p.m. on Thursday, we expect votes on that bill. It's 45 pages. Mm. So lots of reg reform. (laughs) I don't know what that means, reg reform. But um, that bill will be up and will be sure to be contested. Yeah. We had some sad news this week in North Carolina politics. Former U.S. Senator Locke Faircloth passed away at his home in Sampson County. Now, Sky, Senator Faircloth, you know, he's not someone we've been talking a lot about recently, but this guy goes way back in North Carolina politics, a prominent Democrat at one point, and switched parties in 1992 to run against U.S. Senator Terry Sanford, his friend. He beat Senator Sanford in that race, but certainly one of the old, longtime, former conservative Democrats turned Republican. He passed away. Our condolences to his family, friends, and everyone's life he touched. Hey, before we get into the tweet of the week, we want to give some information from one of our newest sponsors of the podcast. You've likely heard that advertisement at the beginning of the podcast from the North Carolina Healthcare Association. They are hosting a series of two free virtual town halls discussing how hospitals and health systems across the state can create healthier communities. There is one on September 26th, and that's for urban areas, and that's at 11 a.m., The second one is for rural areas. It's October 11th. You can register online at nchealthcare.org slash events. Tweet of the week. The Tweet of the Week is sponsored by the North Carolina Pork Council, representing hog farmers around the state working hard to do agriculture better. Today, hog farms are reducing their carbon footprint by covering lagoons, reducing emissions, and generating renewable natural gas. To learn more, visit ncpork.org. All right, this week's Tweet of the Week, and before you come for me, I let Brian choose from a variety of tweets. So if you're going to come and say that I chose my own tweet, which happened but brian chose it so brian chose my tweet you know he scratches my back i scratch his (laughs) so my tweet of the week i'm at skydiving 11 on twitter or x is everyone in nc poll last night this was on wednesday when we heard there was a 715 joint announcement and i heard a a screeching between a screech and a whistle <laughs> so <laughs> the original tweet from that 
is from a Williamsburg County man who had heard this military jet fly over his house before it crashed. (laughs) But like, once I saw it, I was like, this man is about to be famous. (laughs) (laughs) And that, by the way, is no metaphor at all in any negative way towards the budget. We love the budget. It's a great document. The whole legislature definitely shook when we realized there was a deal. Yeah. We were at your house thinking that, you know, it was going to be a long day or long evening. We went over there for some dinner and watched the WREL feed. By the way, thank you, WREL, for providing that feed. We just sat there speechless. Yeah, we really did. It's done. At least the budget part is done. We think we're going to see reverberations from this past week, we think, into some future bills, discussions, session. But anyway. We um, did not talk about the lobbyist portion of the budget. Oh, we got to talk about the lobbyist part. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of lobbyists talking about it. Yeah. We know that the citizens, the people, (laughs) feel bad for lobbyists. So... (laughs) We too feel bad for us. Thank you. Thank you for your concern. I mean, we're going to have to dish out. I read the the language up to $2,000. Yeah. So if you are listening to this podcast, Paul Coble, uh, we take back everything we said about the chairs and your disdain for them and hoping that you don't exercise that $2,000 fee for us to get a fast pass because that's a lot of cash for this small little firm in downtown Raleigh. As I was walking into the back of the building today, Senator Mayfield said, oh, are you going to get a fast pass? <laughs> and I was like, no, we're too poor. And then as I was looking on the building, I was thinking like rich lobbyists will go to the left, <laughs> broke lobbyists go to the right. <laughs> But are we really the losers in this situation? Because we get to see Ivan and Mike and all the great guys, Eddie, all the great guys. That where's Eddie? We haven't seen him. Yeah, where's Eddie? Been? Yeah, where's Eddie? Wait, what y'all do Eddie. with Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he's on vacation. Yeah, well, we need you back because those are the most normal people in the General Assembly. Great sense of humor, fist bumps, the how you doing. Yeah. And they know when you're... The time Ivan tried to hit me with his car. Yeah. I love family. (laughs) Talking about restaurants with Russell, peace and blessings that we get from Mm -hmm. Russell every day. You know, maybe all you rich lobbyists, you get your fast pass. Everyone get it. And then Sky and I will actually just move right on through uh, the regular security. Yeah. That's not the only expense. Did you see the lobbying fees? Yes, I saw it because then I sent it to you and then I mentioned to, I sent it to you uh, in the leak draft on Monday night, mm-hmm. then mentioned it to you on Tuesday and you said, wait, what? And I said, I sent it to you and commented on it in text messages. You don't read my messages. $500 per year. For the lobbyists and the principal. So if we have this small little nonprofit that's trying to help the world, which we do, let's take the North Carolina Coalition Against Domestic Violence or the North Carolina Coalition Against Sexual Assault, they each got to fork up 1500 bucks to register us. There was some discussion about this on Twitter. And, of course, Brian can't miss an opportunity to tell you how long he's been lobbying. So how much, Grandpa, how much (laughs) 
Did it cost when you were a kid? <laughs> Back in the day, <laughs> it was $75 per biennium. Wow. Biennium. Yeah, you heard that right. And now we're going to be the most expensive... In the country. In the country. Here's the thing. I think that some legislators are walking around and they're seeing all these Brooks Brothers suits and gold watches and BMWs. And yes, they're in the building and they're like, we're going to stick it to those guys. You're not sticking it to those guys. They can pay $500 per client. You're sticking it to the little nonprofit out there that's just trying to help North Carolina be better. So, I don't know. Is there a technical corrections bill moving around? <laughs> Think about it, legislators. Do a sliding scale. Do something like that. Like if you're a small nonprofit, we'll let you come in cheaper. They're going to let you do that after they know about your PPP. <laughs> <laughs> Use some of the money from those PPP loans, brother. <laughs> they might be coming to get that money back, man. We're about to be turned upside down. But anyway, we are happy with the budget. And, you know, if there's anyone out there that wants to stick up for the little lobbyists, we're here for it. <laughs> we have a problem in the General Assembly. We do? Yeah. What you, is it? You know the problem. <laughs> I don't want to be reminded. <laughs> Senator Paul Lowe, we think, thinks that you and I are married. <laughs> <laughs> and all we're saying is, if someone would go up and say... <laughs> Hey, Senator Lowe, Brian and Skye are not married. Uh, that We would consider that a favor. Yeah, that would be really kind. Because <laughs> we don't really... Well, he hasn't mentioned it the last couple of times he's talked to us. That's true. But he's like, how's your wife? And I'm like, she's doing great. Because <laughs> Julie is doing great. He goes, man, she's so nice. I really enjoy hanging out with y'all. And I'm like, wait. Oh, yeah, you haven't met Julie. You're thinking Sky, <laughs> And I don't really want to... Because the notion is so absurd <laughs> that, that I don't really want to say, hey, you know, I'm not married to her. In, in what world is a five foot six middle-aged paunchy man with, a, you know, hey, don't a, ba talk trash about a, ball, a balding head? In what world is that man married to you? <laughs> I guess this one, if you're on the state health plan, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> Oh, yeah. If anyone is on the state health plan, we will take some suitors for Sky. You know, I might too. Um, health care, you know, and this goes full circle. You know, it's really hard to run a small business, buy health insurance and HSAs and all of that. So, yeah, I have a hard time correcting people. There's this guy in my neighborhood that used to call me Mark every time he saw me. Hey, Mark, you want to get, you know, come over? Hey, Mark, how's things going? And I don't know, you know, after a while, they just say it so much. I don't want to correct You're too them. far in. Too yeah. far in. I'm just like, yeah, man, I'm doing good. You got to do it at the get. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that, if someone, again... Just mentioned to Senator Lowe that uh, I am not married to Sky. Uh, we would consider that a favor. In fact, some of the people on the street think he's my pops. <laughs> they really do. I think people on the street 
think that maybe you're a volunteer with some respite program. <laughs> you're just taking me out for a walk or something like that. I did that. apply to volunteer with a program called Visiting Angels where you just sit, you go and hang out with old people an hour a day so they have some interaction with the outside world. <laughs> did you put on your application you already do this in your day job? <laughs> As you know, I love kids and old people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good luck. (laughs) All right, folks. Next week, we're going to be back with redistricting. That's right. You thought this was over. We said they were taking a break, but that is a legislative break. Maybe. We don't know. And uh, we will talk about what's going on with redistricting. We're not going to be in the room or anything. It's not really something we focus on, but we'll kind of give you an overview of that and talk about what else happened if the governor vetoes the budget, what's going on. We will talk to you next week. Until then, please remember to do politics better.